This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, heard Sunday mornings at 9 on Zoomer Radio. The new AM740. From hockey to wrestling, football to golf, no sport left unturned. You're listening to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. Neil, the boys are back. Let's talk sports. Good morning and welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. I'm your host, Walter Rigabon. As usual with me in studio, my co-host, Naz Marchese. Good morning, Naz. Good morning, Wally. How are you today? I'm doing great. And joining us in studio this morning, uh, repeat performance on the Naz and Wally Sports Hour, former Raptors coach, Butch Carter. Good morning, Butch. Good morning. Got a smile on your face this morning, Butch? Yeah. It's going to be a great day. Sun shining. <laughs> Hey, Great game last night. And Raptors win by 15. It was good. What, what happened? Um, Kevin, Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving were horrible. And, uh, but I think Cleveland was out of rhythm on the first play. First play, uh, they'd done such a good job of not letting uh, DeMar DeRozan get to the free throw line. And uh, first play, he shot fakes. JR jumps, and, and he's at the free throw line. And, and I think... You know, as far as you know, coach game plan when you're one of your key elements in your uh, way to be successful is blown up in the first uh, you know t- ten seconds of the game. Uh, it, not normally a good omen. But they seem to take the inside away from uh, <coughs> Cleveland yesterday. What do you think of that? Uh, well, I think they just had their energy level was where it needed to be. Uh, they were smart. They were aggressive. Uh, speaking of Toronto, and it worked out very well for them. Cleveland, uh, I believe, came in, did not have the expectation that they've had in, in uh, their prior success, and it was it shows. I think the number one stat, I think the most important stat of the game, was Tristan Thompson didn't get an offensive rebound. So, I mean, you know, he has murdered teams on offensive rebounding, getting second chances for his team, and uh, he, he was nullified. Which is really special from the standpoint you got a Canadian kid, Toronto kid, Brampton coming home, and you would think you know he would be play like Superman, but uh, his his uh, cape wasn't big enough. Bismack seemed to be under the glass quite quite a bit last night. Was that a planned strategy by the Raptors? Well, the Raptors play small, so he's the only big. So um, you know, basically, Bismarck is a freak of nature. First time I seen him was uh, he was playing in the. Nike event in Portland, Oregon, and and one of my NBA friends said, would you look at the film on him and tell me what you think? And my comparison at that time was Bill Russell from the standpoint. I mean, the the kid came out of nowhere. No one had ever seen him, and he was blocking and running and and doing everything. And clearly he's the kind of athlete, you know, uh, fast twitch uh, from point A to point B. He is superior physically, plays better in a scramble game. Uh, he was required to play in a slow-down thinking game in, in Charlotte, and his mind is not, not made to work that way. His body definitely, the more t- attempts he has, a chances to use his body, the better off he is, clearly. 
Butch, we're talking to Butch Carter. Uh, Raptors, I mean, let's let's uh, call a spade a spade. They got blown out in the first two games. 31 points, 19 points. Really didn't show anything that I saw in those first two games that gave gave Raptors fans anything to uh, latch on to. Um, and then last night, um, they just completely turned it around. Uh, how does that happen? What adjustments were made? Well, I mean, let's, you guys have to look at the whole history of how things work. Uh, LeBron and Cleveland have been very successful in Detroit through his whole playoff career. So the first opponent, Detroit, nothing to scare him. They, he's been there and, and won and beaten Detroit. Uh, actually, was a team that knocked Detroit out uh, and went on to lose to San Antonio. So he's had success in that building. Same thing last year. They went in and the number one team in the East uh, at that time was Atlanta. Um, and, you know, they beat, beat beat Atlanta pretty bad. And it was just a continuation. They set a record on, on uh, threes made against Atlanta. And Cleveland's home arena, uh, Quicken, is a unique place to play. And you're going to see uh, that tonight if you watch the OKC. OKC, Golden State, San Antonio, and Cleveland are three of what I call, the fifth one being Miami, uh, non-hockey facilities. Um, you know, no mid-level suites, no platinum seats. Uh, yeah, you overpay for the seat, but your butt better not move out of them. So um, Toronto was fatigued, played two seven-game series. It goes to what I believe the core, Toronto's core, uh is not uh, overly physical. Uh, DeMar is a good athlete, not a great athlete as compared to the historic top 50 players. Uh, we know that Kyle can run out of gas. He's done that. And normally when he does, he makes a lot of bad decisions. Um, you got to get him, give them credit that they did show up to defend their, their home court. And this game uh, four now, I believe, becomes a closeout game for Cleveland so they don't have to come back here again. And... Uh Going back to last night's game, it seemed that um, the Raptors uh, were trying to be more physical with LeBron James. Did you get that sense as well? They, they were, it seemed to be going after him a lot harder. And uh, sometimes if, you know, sometimes with star, I mean, I remember when, you know, with star athletes, um, you can either sit back and take it or you can, or you can, you, you can go after them, and maybe sometimes you get them off their game. Did you get any sense of that last night, that they were they're going after LeBron? Look, they're scared of LeBron. So, I mean, my wife said, shoot, she's scared of him. I mean, <laughs> so the reality is that they were more physical with Kyrie and Love, and they rode those guys off their normal, easy place to make shots. And when you look at the shooting percentage, I think Kevin Love had three points. Kyrie, I think, got... 13 on 19 shots. I think that, you know, that's where it showed up, that they were, the physicality that they showed against their other two stars. You know, I have to remember Kyrie Irving was, you know, the number one pick in the draft. Kevin Love, you know, uh, I've never thought Kevin Love to be much of a physical player. And the fact that they were physical with him uh, drove him off his spot. What I thought on Kevin Love's shots, he wasn't even close. You know, follow through with sideways. I mean, he just could not get into a groove. Um, so I would, I think the three best athletes in Cleveland are J.R. Ryder and LeBron. As far as physicality, you know, you really can't screw around with them. And then Tristan, those other two guys, 
play playground basketball. You, you don't touch me and I won't touch you. And Toronto took a different approach, and I think it was very successful. It seems like uh, LeBron is having trouble at the free throw line. Is that a strategy they, they should keep up? Let them well, let them get to the free throw line. Well, foul for profit is is a successful, but you know again they're scared of him because if you're going to go foul for profit, you can't let him raise their arms above their shoulders. They get their arms above the shoulders, they can make a shot. Right. We've seen that when Demar, you know, basically stepped sideways and then tried to reach back and, and Gurley grabbed him and he yeah. and he threw it in the basket. So um, it is an effect effective strategy. Uh, um, LeBron. You know, I watched LeBron when he was in high school. He played the state championship at the same time uh, my son Blake's team was playing for the state championship in Ohio. He's put on weight. I think it's an issue for him. It's, it's uh, you know, uh, anatomically causing him problems. That as he's put on the weight, his shooting angles have changed. And uh, that's something he'll have to address either through losing the weight or someone, you know, being able to show him what it's doing to his body. Um, the lack of confidence, lack of execution is also the baseline for a lack of confidence. So that's why I think it's more important for LeBron to get out and get those fast breaks and those dunks. He knows that's, that's the energy he needs to provide. It seems more in- intimidating, too, when he does that. For, for well, the, uh, well, there are a few people in the world that can do it. <laughs> <laughs> He's amazing. Anyways, we're talking to Butch Carter. Uh, Butch Carter, of course, uh, former Raptors coach and uh, sharing his insights on the Toronto Raptors. We're going to talk a little bit more about the Toronto Raptors when we come back from the break. I just want to let our listeners know we've got a huge special guest coming on in the middle of the hour. Uh, of course, we're talking about Richard Dick Pound. Richard Pound uh, has been in the forefront of doping in athletics in all fields uh, over the course of the last generation. Uh, Richard Pound is one of Canada's, uh, I'd say, uh, preeminent Canadians. He's got an incredible career. We're going to be talking to him about a lot of different things, doping and uh, message he may have for, for, for the youth of Canada today. Richard Pound will be on in the middle of the hour. We'll go to break and we'll be right back with Butch Carter and we'll talk some more Raptors basketball. It was a rainy day when Pizzaville brought back the large five-topping pizza special for just $13.99 for a limited time. I'm whispering because the last time Pizzaville brought back this special, there was pandemonium in the streets, pushing, shoving, biting. So order now and order often, and hopefully you won't have any bite marks when this is over. Call Pizzaville for the large five-topping pizza special at pound 3636 from your cell phone. Shh. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them. Every day, they've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. Steel's Paint in Woodbridge, an enormous 20,000-square-foot superstore that carries nothing but the best. Superior staff, superior advice, superior selection, superior everything. When you have a really tough job to do, they can knock it down to size. They'll show you how to get it done right, and because they only sell the best of everything, you'll get it done to last. That means superior satisfaction. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. The best. 
At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Vaughn. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. With a little training, anyone can learn the security business while on duty at your home or company. It's unfortunate, but a lot of security companies are just not experienced enough to handle the complex dynamics of tactical security. And that little bit of training and experience can end up costing you a lot more than you bargained for. Peace of mind, trust, and honor is the foundation on which the Regal Security reputation is built. They're driven, they're respected, and they're unrivaled. They're everyday superheroes. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. They're not here to be nice. They're here to be right. The boys are back. The Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Good morning and welcome back to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. Where we are live from Liberty Village in downtown Toronto. In the house with us this morning, Butch Carter. Uh, Butch, we're talking a little bit about Raptors. We'll move on shortly to uh, other topics. But uh, uh, interesting game last night. The one, uh, one gentleman that's mis- missing from the Raptors roster is JV, Valanchunas. Yes. If he was in this series, how much of a difference would he make? I don't think he'd make a difference. I think he'd actually hurt them. Because um, Biombo's athletic ability fits this game with these athletic players. Valashunas should get the same problem. You put Kyrie Irving in pick and roll and put Valashunas in pick and roll, you got a problem. And it's you know that's a historical problem. So... You know, everyone thinks because JV played so well the last, you know, two weeks of the season and um, the first couple of playoff games, you know, I I mean, I don't see it. I mean, the issue at the end of the day is that neither one of those first two teams in the playoffs had an all-star point guard. And JV's Achilles heel has always been 1-5 pick and roll. So, you know, I don't – I would – I think they've done themselves a favor because now Masai can go upstairs and say, can I spend the money to keep these guys to keep this team together? Because that's really the issue now. Anyways, let's move on from the Raptors. We may come back to them mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the show, see where the where you feel the Raptors are going to go the rest of this series. But uh, Butch, uh, Butch Carter, <laughs> you, uh, you tweeted uh, yesterday, interesting tweet, Blue Jays are killing me. Killing me. They're killing me too, Butch. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, expound you, upon you, that, Butch. You, you got a long, <laughs> you got a long weekend. You got a cold beer. I mean, watch the Blue Jays win against the Twins. All right, they send a reliever in. First thing he does is hit the batter. I mean, like, 
Where does that happen? Well, it happened yesterday. <laughs> you know, so it's just uh, anyways. Your assessment, your assessment of the you know, obviously the Blue Jays haven't they haven't gotten off to the start. To be fair, that last fall's excitement um, we thought would have led into a better start into this year's season. We expected, I think, by this time, better things from the Blue Jays. Uh, and right now, they're, they're treading water. Um, why? It's easy. I mean, the first thing that gave away Ben Revere, you know, you gave off the hottest leadoff hitter the last 40 games of the season last year. You give him away to Washington. And then you, then you say, you know, well, so now Donaldson has no one in front of him that forces the pitcher to throw a fastball. So, you know, that was someone made that decision. I don't know what it was based off of, but, you know, in my opinion, you know, giving Ben Revere away, taking away your leadoff hitter, you know, yeah, I know you got a problem in the outfield, but, you know, I, I say giving Ben Revere away started the whole thing. And from the day that, uh, you know, the Kansas City game, you know, we leave a relief pitcher in, a left-handed relief pitcher in more than what we had done all year. And not only does he screw up, <clears throat> but he gets injured, and he's been injured ever since. So Cecil's flat-out stunk. So now the – as far as the pitchers go, I think we're in the top two in the league on starting Starting pitching. Pitch. Yeah, the right? starting pitching is great. Then you go to the bull t- bullpen, and I'll turn it over to you. Yeah, Nash. Sanchez has to come back. <laughs> Sanchez has to come back to the bullpen because they don't have, you know, we had the Ward Hanky thing back in the in the uh, '90s when they won the World Series, and they don't have that. Asuna's pitched very well, and they don't have that other guy. I know uh, that Sanchez has pitched great as a starter, but they've got to fix that. Uh, fix I, I, that, and he's going to be on uh, on an inning count anyway. So why don't you move him there and stop the nonsense and get. Sanchez and then Osuna because they're going to pitch three to four times a week. Yeah, I, I think you know we learned that lesson. But I mean that that was baseball over twenty years ago with with Hinky and Ward. I think we learned it last year with 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 KC. Yeah, and and in the Yankees, you know, this year is that it's almost like the the relievers in the seventh and eighth inning almost fulfill the role that a goaltender does in hockey. Yes. Which is, if the team doesn't have confidence in those guys, it just deflates the team. Yep. Uh, and the team plays better if you know that, you know, you turn the, you know, a starter, and the starters have overachieved as far as I'm concerned this year. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have expected them to have pitched this well. They, they really have pitched above and beyond the call of duty so far, and they've turned the ball over. I don't know, Naz. You, you know, you, you're an astute student of this stuff. I don't know how many games they've, that uh, that their, their their bullpen has lost for them. Eleven. They, yeah, but eleven. Let's assume on a rational probability basis, well, you're going to lose a go, few. Even if they go 500 on it, they win five games. But they're if, right there. Yeah, but you would think, you know, if you're given a lead, you know, if you're given a four-run lead in the seventh inning, you should win that game. Well, they you had should a win run, that. They game. had a three-run lead right? against Texas so last Sunday. They, and they, they should it. probably have won. Seven or eight of them. Well, that's here, that's where they should be in the standings. Well, let's look. So the the uh, Blue Jays are, I think, scored at five point five runs last year. They're two runs below that. I, I mean, I, I don't remember exactly, but, but I think they're four. But, but, 
Uh, yeah. I but, mean, we we made the point, and I'm sorry to interrupt. We made the point. You, was it really reasonable to expect that they were going to produce runs at that level of game? That was a once in a generation year. Well, but I thought I think historically the team that's led the league in in runs scored has never led it the second year coming back. Yeah. All right. So you you weren't going to get that kind of performance again. It was unreasonable. So you had to make that up somewhere else. Okay, but hold on. So so the guys who are running the team are supposed to be smarter than us, and they should know that, right? They should. But yet and still, all right, they give away the leadoff hitter to protect the MVP in the league, all right, and then they won't spend the money on. But- on a, on a reliever, but they gave away. They gave away. I didn't give Ben Revere away. They traded him. They traded him for what, what's that guy from Washington? Drew Storen? Is that his name? Drew Storen. Okay. Yeah. Who, who was expected to be a stopper? Not necessarily. He was supposed to compete with Asuna to be the stopper, but you know they 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 kiboshed that fairly quickly. But he was supposed to be a go-to guy in the seventh, eighth inning. That's the role he was supposed to fulfill. But, but, he's, know, ne- but he's never been successful in the role. Yeah. Right. That's why they brought in Papelbon, right? Right. So, I mean, if Washington was smart enough to say the guy can't get it done for us, let's go get Papelbon, right? Then, okay, let's find us a dummy that'll take our mistake. You're a you're a, a numbers guy like me, Butch. The stadium, when it, the roof is open last year, they were thirty eight and fourteen, and they were like eleven and seventeen. Something like that when the roof is closed. But that's hocus pocus now. No, it's not. No, it's not because you know what? They're a right-handed dominating, right-handed hitting team, right? And it makes a difference. Believe it or not, it does make a difference because the because the sun, the ball carries, or the the sun comes in in at a certain angle. Ball carries in an open stadium. It does make a difference. Well, Naz, for your benefit, I hope that when they open the stadium, it's going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) Because if not, I know Walter's going to remind. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. That's a. I I got the highest. I mean, I got to. I got to be honest, Butch. I got the highest respect for Naz. He comes up with these arcane stats. Okay, take take a look at this in the playoffs last year. The playoffs. Right. I'll be honest with you, he's, he's right more than playoffs I am. I'll give him year. credit for that. What was the record in the playoffs last year? With the, the, with they, the, with the, the thing open? It was closed all the time. They won the majority of the game. Two of the games they won against Texas were put, in Texas. Who knows? Maybe they put pyramids underneath nah, the bench or something. Who knows? It does make a difference. It does make well, a difference. Well, you know what? The biggest difference. Uh, let's put it but, this way. If if that's what the statistics show, and I'll accept your word for it, Naz, then you know what? you got nothing to lose. Open the open the thing up, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And their road nothing record, lost. Their road record this year, they're two games over five hundred on the road, and they're four games under five hundred at home. Let's talk about um, just before we go to break, um, really quickly. Uh, John Gibbons, um, does he last the season if we keep going at this five hundred? I asked pace? this question before. I don't even understand why we're talking about Gibby. Oh. Gibby hasn't thrown a relief pitch yet. <laughs> You know what? Right. We're we're going to come back to that. Right. We're going to okay. come back to that. I, mean, I think that this this particular topic requires a little bit more extensive ex, uh, discussion. But we've got to go to break because right after the break, we're going to have Dick uh, Richard Dick Pound on the line. Richard, of course, one of uh, one of Canada's most influential people, has been fighting the good fight against doping in international sport. A really accomplished gentleman in all different types of fields. He's an accomplished lawyer, accountant, chancellor of McGill University. And certainly one of Canada's uh, Canada's uh, companion of the Order of Canada. So we're really looking forward to talking to Richard Pound. We'll be right back.
It was a rainy day in Pizzaville when they got up in my grill. Ponzo combo, Ponzo combo. You get two Ponzerotti with two toppings per, plus ten chicken wings, I say for sure. Ponzo combo, Ponzo combo. That's $19.99, a deal, for real. A steal. Ponzo combo. Ponzo combo. Yo, visit pizzaville.ca or pound 3636 from your cell phone, Wood. At 20,000 square feet, Steel's Paint and Woodbridge is Canada's largest independent paint store. Big deal, right? Big deal, yes. The best brands, the best staff, the best advice, the best of everything. From color matching to brand selection, whether you're a pro or a DIYer, we'll look after you from the minute you walk in to the minute you walk in a second time as a completely satisfied customer. Big store, big deal, bigger satisfaction. Simple. Steel's Paint, 4190 Steel's Avenue West in Woodbridge. At Titanium Logistics, we believe that choosing the right shipping company comes down to two issues, price and cost. Most prices are competitive, will likely save you money too, but the cost of choosing the wrong company to service your cross-border freight to and from the U.S. and Mexico can be extraordinary. If it's not where it should be, when it should be, that bargain price, worthless. Titanium Logistics, on time, on budget. Call 905-266-3014. Ask for Blair Downey. This is Daryl Sittler for Alta Infinity and Bond. I've worked with some pretty great teams over the years, and the staff at Alta ranks among the very best. Expert sales, superior service, and the largest selection of Infinity cars and SUVs in Canada, and the most competitive pricing anywhere. It's no wonder that Alta has been an all-star performer for well over a decade. Visit AltaInfinityWoodbridge.com, or better yet, drop by the number 7 Auto Mall at the corner of Martin Grove and Highway 7. Experience the difference that makes Alta Infinity the captain's choice. There's an old saying, entrepreneurship doesn't build character, it reveals character. Entrepreneurs learn to trust a person by trusting people. The law firm Rigabon Carly understands this. They know all about entrepreneurs because they work for them every day. They've earned their trust. They know that when it comes to meeting the legal and business needs of entrepreneurs, good enough is not enough. Rigabon Carly, the intelligent choice. The security business is easy, right? Anyone can learn it. Perhaps they can learn it on duty with your valuables at stake. Perhaps they can learn it in a crisis situation that requires an immediate intelligent response when lives are at risk. After all, what harm can a few mistakes make? Plenty. When it comes to security for your business or office, an experienced partner like Regal Security makes sense. Security is what they do. Peace of mind is what they provide. Visit them online at regalsecurity.ca and find out how much they know, not how much they can learn. There are two ways to argue sports with these guys, and none of them work. The boys are back, the Naz and Wally Sports Hour on Zoomer Radio. Oh, sorry, a little technical difficulty. Uh, just welcoming to the show, Richard Pound. Richard, one of the most influential Canadians of our generation, of course, leading the good fight against doping in sport. Uh, Richard, welcome to the Naz and Wally Sports Hour. We're pleased to have you. Thank you so much. Fun to be here. Thank you. Uh, you have uh, an incredible career leading the fight against doping in international sports, but you also had an incredible career 
in a lot of other different spheres, and we'd like to uh, perhaps get into some of those as well this morning. You're, of course, one of Canada's leading tax lawyers, chartered accountant, uh, chairman of uh, Chancellor McGill University, uh, Time Magazine's most influential persons in the world, Olympic swimmer, uh, and so many other other fields of achievement. And, uh, and in those fields, uh, you come in contact so many times, Richard, with young people in the world. Uh, what's the message you have for young people today? Well, that you're going to have challenges. They'll be different from uh, those of uh, other generations and, and, and no less uh, uh, important. But, uh, you know, if you, if you work hard and you keep your sense of direction, uh, you'll, you'll get through whatever those challenges are and you'll succeed. You certainly have succeeded in every endeavor you've ever, uh, you've ever gone after, Richard. And, um, other than golf. Other than <laughs> golf. And we're going to talk about golf. <laughs> we're going to talk about golf before this interview is over. But uh, um, who are your mentors? Who are your heroes growing up, Richard? Well, the, the, the people around you. Uh, you know, when I learned to swim up in a little pulp and paper town in northern British Columbia, you know, we actually had... Uh, swimmers from the town that were uh, Olympic swimmers. And so, you you know, as you're growing up uh, with, with them, uh, you, you realize, you know, that there's there's life beyond this uh, little paper town and that if you if you work hard and train, and, and we were lucky to have a great coach, um, you can, the, the world opens up to you. And uh, it's, it's well worth that effort. Uh, Richard Pound, uh You've devoted uh, quite a quite a significant part of your life to sport, um, it, both as a as a competitor, both in the International Olympic Committee, where you were uh, instrumental in in a lot of the negotiations of a lot of the uh, contracts with the TV networks, and also, of course, in your work with the doping agency. Um, Richard, why is sport important, and is it still relevant? I, I think it is. It is both. Um, uh, I mean, I think that that if you're if you compete or participate in sport, I mean, and you don't have to go to the Olympics to to satisfy that definition. But I mean, you're you're healthier. Uh, you understand the uh, uh, the need to set goals, and you understand that uh, you've got to work to achieve them, and that uh, you've got to become more efficient with your use of time because you're spending uh, you're, you're not spending the, the, the time in front of a, a book or a screen we're talking to richard pound richard just so you're aware we also have in studio this morning butch carter who's a former raptors coach and uh, i know butch may want to maybe want to get into the conversation at some point uh, and uh, you've accomplished an incredible amount in your lifetime richard and uh, what uh, what goals do you still have there's always something uh, that, that's out there. You know, I mean, you're, anybody in any position sort of looks at uh, the situation, you know, today, and uh, there's, there's always a difference between that position and, and uh, what could be achieved. So if you just get used to saying, well, here's where I am now, uh, where do I want to be in the next, you know, six months, year, whatever it may be, and and how do I get from here to there? 
and that's a, that is, it gets to be an acquired uh, skill. In fact, almost becomes a, a habit. And so I, there's there's always something that that I'm looking forward to doing. Um, Mr. Pound Butch Carter here. That um, in your journey in trying to um, create this balance, and I further understand that when you talk about the, the swimmers that were Olympic swimmers in your small town. So I grew up in a small town. Uh, Jerry Lucas was the local hero, you know, Olympian, uh, NCAA champion. And then you go out into this big old bad world where you have these sports leagues that don't define uh, equity in the same manner in which, uh, you know, we grew up understanding it. And, uh, you know, I truly admire your, your uh, lifelong fight uh, to, uh, to manage and, and make WADA functional. But um, with the pro sports not being compliant to WADA and not have interest in a truly uh, 100% doping policy, how long will this struggle go on before it comes closer to uh, what WADA is supposed to provide across the board? Well, I, th- I think, you know, there's progress being made. Uh, I, would have, uh, I would have had not much hope that, that, as an example, baseball would get uh, to where it is now, and I think the uh, the, the penny finally dropped on uh, Major League Baseball when when the players, who who make up uh, one half of the uh, the collective bargaining uh, process and, and therefore the the uh, set of rules under which the sport operates, uh, came to understand that that uh, just because some brute is able to hit a ball that's still rising as it leaves the property. Uh, does so gets you know 16 or 18 million dollars in in a uh, in a salary cap environment it, 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 and only because he's t- taking a whole bunch of uh, drugs uh, you realize that that's kind of an economic fraud on the rest of uh, the players and, and I think they started to say why are we spending all our time and energy and getting all of this flack in order to protect people we know are cheating instead of uh, in a sense, rewarding those who play properly. And so you went from a, a completely illusory policy, uh, which was never uh, really put into effect, to one now where you're getting significant sanctions if you're caught uh, doping. And so over time, uh, that would I think that'll change. It's, a, it's attitude, it's culture, rather than you know the words on the, the, the collective bargaining agreement. You know, if I'd said 40 years ago, that 40 years from from then, it would be illegal to smoke a cigarette in a restaurant in Paris, everybody would have laughed. But, you know, all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, but gradually people came to realize what secondhand smoke was doing, and uh, now we've got that legislation. And then, by and large, people agree with it. Mr. Pound, in, in your research... Um how far does PEDs go back? Well, you know, looking for the edge it goes back, I'm sure, to when sport first started. I mean, I remember the, in the 1904 Olympics in St. Louis, the, the marathoners were drinking some <laughs> mixture of you know, whiskey and strychnine and, and so on, thinking that was going to help. But, <laughs> but it really took... It, it, you know the anti-doping rules and, and the PED rules uh, are, are relatively recent in sport. 
You know, they, they didn't have any uh, when I was in the Olympics in in Rome in 1960. You know, people were concerned about it, and and it wasn't actually until a cyclist died in Rome during the road race, partly as a result of amphetamines, that Again, the penny dropped, and there he said, "Hey, wow, hold it! You're supposed to come to the Olympics and have fun. You're not supposed to die because you've been taking some of these substances." So they, you know, they ramped up the uh, the anti-doping rules, and uh, here we are. Still got people who cheat, but at least we have rules now. I'm talking to Richard Pound. Richard, uh, you know, we're talking about people who cheat, but your recent uh, recent report about what's what's occurred in Russia really is is quite compelling. Um, and, and I know that there's ongoing work with respect to that report because one of the, one of the doctors has been spirited out of the country, and uh, I guess we're working with him to determine. But it's almost like this doping has been taken to a completely different level. Now it's, it's state-sponsored um, doping, and, and Russia's in the forefront of it, um, is this is this doping at a completely new level? There's allegations that samples from the Sochi Olympics were tampered with, uh, that there were Russian state uh, intelligence operatives in inside some of the labs and that type of thing. Is this is this now gone to a completely different level? It's it's a more sophisticated level, but it really, in, in some respects, is, is a continued evolution of the system that. Uh, started back in the 60s and 70s in East Germany and what was then the Soviet Union. Uh, same sort of people, the same people are, are in it. They, you know, the, the coaches, a lot of them are former athletes that grew up in, in that uh, doping environment. So it's very hard to excise all of that from the, uh, the culture of, of sport in those countries. And then Russia's not the only one with this kind of problem. I mean, almost any of the republics that used to be part of the Soviet Union or pretty much suspect as well. Um, uh, talking to Richard Pound, Richard, there's a sport that's uh, making a repeat appearance to the Olympic Games in Rio this summer, uh, in which Canada is actually the defending champion, which is golf. And we talked about it earlier uh, with reference to your golf game. But you, you've been quoted as saying there's some concerns in the sport of golf and that the PGA Tour or the tours around the world uh, are not taking these concerns seriously. Um, want to expound upon that? Sure. Uh, I, I would say if, if you look at the shape changes in uh, golfers, you have to start asking yourself some questions. And that's in both the, the, the men, men's game and the women's game. It, so hitting the ball as far as they do, sure, I, I think the equipment is better and, and uh, you know some people are bigger, but I don't, I'm just not persuaded that all of that extra distance <laughs> comes from the equipment. And, and, and I remember trying to talk to Tim Fincham about it, uh, who's the commissioner of the, the PGA, and saying, Tim, you know, you're heading up a game that is, is almost unique in some respects, in that in the golfers call penalties on themselves. And it, it, it's, a, it's a level of honesty that, uh, frankly, doesn't uh, always spread to, through every other sport. Why don't you take a, a real leadership position in this and, and make that one of the, the rules of golf that, uh, that, that can be self-enforced, and if not self-enforced, at least enforced by the, the, the PGA? And he is, oh, you know, I don't want 
people to start looking at my guys the way they look at the football and the baseball players and, and so on, you know, all bunch of doped up uh, athletes. And uh, I, I could never get him to, to take the step. So the only, I, I think they have some rules, uh, but they're not, uh, they're not uh, rigorously enforced. Richard, just so I understand, if golfers are going to compete in the Olympic Games this summer, do they have to? I, I presume. <clears throat> do they have to abide by certain Olympic uh, drug testing standards, or just by their by their professional tour standards? No, but they have to abide by the, the Olympic standards. And so, so it, it, the way it works, it's kind of the way it works for for hockey. To take an example, if you announce that you're prepared to be selected for your national team, that automatically exposes you to uh, liability for testing under the Olympic rules. And then, so it's the same for golf, and that was one of the conditions that that, that uh, we had we imposed when we uh, agreed to recognize golf uh, again for the Olympic program. Richard, out of the professional sports uh, leagues that are around, who has handled the drug testing uh, better in uh, in their respective leagues? I don't think any of the leagues uh, would be. Uh, eligible for a gold medal <laughs> I mean the, the smartest PR folks are, are the, you know the National Football League and they simply announce in the way they do that their program even though they don't have a doping problem in football is the gold standard and uh, I don't know you look at the folks out there on the field on Sunday afternoon or evening uh, they didn't get that way, just eating mom's oatmeal porridge. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking to Richard Pound. Richard, this is a Victoria Day weekend, and we know it's a holiday weekend. We won't keep you much longer, and we thank you so much for uh, for taking the time for us. But you wrote a, you wrote a, an opinion piece in the Globe and Mail this week, and you finished it with the following comment. Uh, we are at a tipping point for international sport, whose future may well be in doubt. How much in doubt is international sport, Richard? I think that I, I was sort of to go back a bit. I was a little naive. I thought that when when the IOC disqualified Ben Johnson back in '88, that that was a a real tipping point. But it proved not to be. It just it went on. But now we're getting to the, the stage where I think people are are very suspicious, very cynical about uh, any superb sport performance, and. I think if they get the feeling that, that the results are being rigged uh, and that the, the, the essential uncertainty of sport competition no longer exists, um, they'll vote with their feet. They'll stop watching. And then sponsors will realize they're not reaching the kind of audience that they hope to by that activity. And broadcasters will say, look, if, if nobody's watching, nobody cares, uh, we're not going to carry this stuff anymore. So you, you could have a real implosion. And it's one of these things that if it starts, you know, it becomes like an avalanche. And, and I think, I think we're, we're there now. That's hence the tipping point. Uh, we're, enough awareness that there's something wrong here and that not enough people are taking it seriously that there's some danger. We've been talking to Richard Pound. Listen, Richard, we, we, we sincerely want to thank you for taking uh, your time on, 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 on this holiday weekend for us. And, uh, and in, in researching this the last few days, uh, I mean, astounded by the level of, of work and commitment that you've put into this. And I can't even imagine what sport would be like today 
without your contributions. I think we would have gotten past that tipping point a long time ago if it wasn't for the work of Richard Pound. Listen, thank you so much. It's been a distinct privilege for us, and uh, all we can say is enjoy the rest of the weekend and keep well. Thank you very much. Nice to be with you. Thank you so much. Richard uh, Dick Pound, of course, uh, uh, former chairman of WADA, and, uh, you know, he's fighting the good fight, but... uh, Sometimes he's he's up against uh, you know it's it's tough to it's tough to rat these cheats out, Butch. And we we talked earlier about a uh, uh, sport that you're familiar with, uh, doping uh, in basketball, and we both come to the conclusion that there have been no major scandals, and no major doping scandals in in the sport in uh, in the NBA. Quite mad. the only one. I mean, there are a few. Uh, Minor bit players. The only one I could really think about was her, uh, was Turkoglu. I think he got twenty games. Turkoglu, yeah. uh, but the basketballs managed to avoid uh, scandals so mu- so much more than uh, than baseball has, or perhaps some of the other sports. And and, and why, why is that, Butch? Why is well, why is why is basketball well, seem to be immune from doping scandals? Well, um, two reasons. One, um, most black athletes are scared to death of needles. <laughs> okay, that, that's you're being facetious now. So tell us the real the real reason. Money, the money is so large. Like, you know, they come from impoverished backgrounds, and like, you know, the quickest way to get go back there, they work their butts off to get out of that environment. Are and, you saying that they're that the athletes are not doping, or they're not being caught? No, I'm saying that they're not. For the most part, they're not doping. All right. The, the issue is the athletes are performing to the standard in which they're being measured at. So Dick Pound represents WADA, World Anti-Doping Association, right? There's no professional league in North America that is WADA compliant. There's none, zero. And why is that? Because it would probably hurt their product. So the owners of those associations and the players association of those associations have come to a meeting of the minds that, you know, we, as he said, you know, the Major League Baseball made huge steps when the guys felt that guys who were doping were taking money out of their pocket and they wanted that money back in the pot. So that was, a, that's been the strongest stance. Yeah, but, me, but baseball, baseball has been uh, very, there's been more in baseball than any other sport, even football. And uh, they, they, they I, I, increased you know, the drug testing for sure. I just want to take you on in that argument, Butch. I, I find it disingenuous that basketball seems to be immune from all the from all the uh, you know, quotation marks evils of, of other sports, and that there's no need. And I mean, I'm not going to point any particular fingers at anybody, and uh, I certainly don't have any personal evidence of it. It just my logical conclusion is, if they're doing it in other sports to enhance their performance or to enhance their recovery time, uh, they've got to be doing it in basketball. They well, have, I, mean, I mean, basketball's a brutal sport. It's 82 games. It's 82 games. And it's pounding. It takes a tremendous... It takes a tremendous toll. And it's not, so much that, <coughs> it's not so much that it improves your performance. That's part of it. It, it, it. it enhances your recovery time. So you're a lawyer, right? And you have... Legal... Not on Sundays. Okay, but you have, le- <laughs> you have legal guidelines. Absolutely. All right? that instructs you in your professional how you how you go about your business. Yes. So the basketball players are only doing what the standards are. All right? So if the owners don't change the standards, 
All right. So, you know, you, you in my mind, you're arguing. So if with, they're not if they're not water compliant, right? That means they're they're not breaking any rules. They're not breaking any rules. So the whatever the I mean, it just basketball just came in with blood testing about a year ago. Yeah, I mean, so they never had it before then. It was just urine sampling, and apparently, you know. As you as you yeah. as you read some of this stuff, you find you can catch a hell of a lot more stuff with blood testing than you can with urine samples. Apparently, agree. And apparently, HGH, human growth growth hormone, is tested through blood, not through urine. Yeah. Uh, and and then it's also a question of how often you get tested. Correct. During the year, and yeah. and I mean, these these doctors nowadays. I mean, they've they've figured out how to. Well, I don't want to blast. I mean, but, yeah, but it's a race. The, the doctors are trying to. No, no. I, you ten. know what? I, I want to take <laughs> that. Com- I want to take that comment back. I, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't want to tarnish doctors with that. With that allegation, it's not necessarily doctors. Oh, well, let's say chemist. Whatever. Somebody's <laughs> given advice on this stuff, and sure. it's not always doctors. Well, how do we get to a level playing field? The only way to get to a level playing field is to let everybody take them, right? Well, well because well, you don't have it the, 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 any other way. Here, here's the interesting. We we didn't, I didn't get in. We didn't have time with with, with Richard Pound, and I mean, you know, I mean, we could chat with him for hours. But here's the interesting part about what's going on now. I mean, with with, with what they've gotten in with the Russians, and they've they've they keep the blood samples for ten years. Mm-hmm. So they and now so t- in 2008 in Beijing, mm-hmm. the chemists. Let's use the quotation marks yeah. chemists because we don't want to blaspheme doctors right. or we don't want to libel doctors. The chemists. We're ahead of all the testing guys. So all of these athletes got through. They're actually re- going back now, eight years later, and retesting those blood samples. And they've just found 31 that, that broke the rules. Because eight years later, we've come up with new tests yeah. that we find out eight years later that they were breaking the rules back. 2000. Now they're going after the 2012 samples from London, right. from all the other Olympics. Yeah. So it's like you can't keep up with these guys. Correct. I told you the chemist is always, you know, so there are brilliant, there are brilliant people who are born and you know how it is. They get to the fork in the road. They use their brilliance, you know, as, as a building block for, for, uh, to grow human nature or they use it as a but, building block to but, help, but, you know, but, you know, you know, and, and Dick Pound raises it. He calls it the, you know, the level playing field. You are a professional athlete. You were a college athlete. You played basketball at the head of your profession, at the top level. I'm not going to ask you whether you saw anybody taking PEDs or any of that stuff. That's, you know, your business. I don't, I don't want to get into that. But I'm sure there probably were at the time. And I'm sure you were probably clean. I'm going to say you were. As a professional athlete, how do you feel? When, you know, you're playing by the rules and you know other people that aren't. Well, again, that's what's the great part about what, what happened with Major League Baseball. That before, you were always worried about, worried about retaliation for speaking up about the truth. Which they tell me I get in trouble for all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that's well. a topic for another day. Yeah, so, yeah. You're not so, known to hold your opinions so, back, so the So the reality is that um, I don't believe that Poor people who are participating in sports, who have a chance to make more money than they, they don't have an education. They're, it's their only opportunity to become a millionaire. I believe they will always. Someone in that group will always take that risk. They will always test that line. That's just. But if you're a clean athlete, if you're a clean athlete, 
and I'm sure there's lots of them. I'm sure the majority are clean. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and you see somebody getting a rich contract, and you know he's on. He, you know he's juiced. Why do you keep quiet? If you got a hard salary cap, it doesn't make much difference because you're locked into your slot, right? So they're only going to. It's not like they're going. We're going to delete that person off the cap and dis- distribute the money equally amongst the other eleven guys. They're going to plug another person in there, and you know he's going to get it. So uh, the issue at the end of the day is, I think. All unions, player unions, are getting closer to understanding, you know, do we need these people? What's really helping them to understand that is if they don't keep expanding the teams, right? Because if the guys know that we're here, these are our jobs. But when you start expanding the team, you start expanding to the pool of weaker. I played in a league where only 23 teams. Right now there's 30. There's seven new teams. So – there's a bunch of guys for those 15 jobs on those seven teams. They would do anything. What do you, what do you think of the level playing field and having them all under the same roof? I, I, think it's, I think it's what people talk about on radio, but it's not realistic to life. Because the owners aren't, what do I need a level playing field for? I just want them to do whatever they're doing so people come see them and, and yeah. buy the digital the rights. The problem is the fans don't care enough. That's the problem. Yeah, if you got, right. you still got twenty thousand people coming into the ACC to watch a playoff game. They don't care. Exactly. Do you, they don't care. Wally, do you remember? And that's, and that's and as long as the fans keep showing up, the owners are not going to care. But Wally, you remember Ben Johnson? So, yes. Yeah. I have never seen a nation so excited to see that race. Right. And then they and found so deflated four days later. Mm-hmm. So okay. deflated four days later. Well, we, you know, that was the start. That was no, the start. It, that that you know the, the the whole doping stuff started. No, no, but that was the start of being exposed, right? That. Oh well, no, we were expo- we were exposed back in the seventies when but, those East German swimmers, the East God, German women swimmers. But let, let me put it in a clear space yeah. for you. All right. What's the craze over MMA? MMA is basically an organized bar fight. Yeah. Right. No doping. Excite the people. How do you know there's no doping? How can you make that statement? No doping policy. Oh, no, no doping no policy. policy. Sorry. Okay. I forgot to add the third <laughs> word. Okay? So, so. Well, there should be. I understand, but what I'm saying is that they created all this enthusiasm over this, you know, cage bar fight. All right? And now they're talking about, you know, they're Anyways. talking about billions of dollars to sell the product. I, you know, I got to look into that. I, I, my guess is there is some sort of doping policy, but probably not, not well very, managed. But I, 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 I don't know the answer to that, anyways. But I do want to. We got a minute left, Butch, and, and you know what? We got a tremendous result. We got, we got to, we got to think about Game Four. The Raptors size me up, Game Four. What's going to happen? Well, Cleveland. It's a knockout game for Cleveland. Cleveland needs to come in and, and uh, however they have to do it, um, we got their attention. We first got their attention with customs and held them up <laughs> on the tarmac for a little while. That was while. pretty funny, as a <laughs> matter of fact. And now they've got to walk around the city. That's, that's going to do wonders for getting free agents to Toronto, but go ahead. Right. Well, I mean, they, they were laughing about uh, it. Um, so I think game, game four is, is really a heavyweight championship fight. And uh, Cleveland will want to knock them out so that they can go back to Cleveland and close them out. And... Uh, as LeBron said, you know, he, he likes the fact that Kyrie and Kevin bumped their head a little bit, and hopefully they'll grow out of it. But I think, you know, the whole group 
as far as Cleveland grew out of it. Tristan will be more fired up, did not have a good game in front of his home country, um, which is uncharacteristic of what he's done through the playoffs. So um, I'm glad the reps are, are – they, look, they looked healthy. Uh, you know, they looked healthy right from the start, and they went and did their thing. And uh, Cleveland cooperated by missing shots. Biombo became the vacuum cleaner and uh, sucked all those missed shots up. I, I think they're going to be back here for game six. I really do. Okay, Butch, Raptors going to win game four? Uh, we want the Raptors to win a game four. I think Raptors going to win game four? We want the Raptors to win <laughs> game four. Now you're a tough interview. Anyways, uh, our time is run short. <laughs> we, don't get to, we don't get to talk about Phil Kessel. <laughs> yeah, Phil. Consmite trophy winner. They're going to kick us off the air. we got to get off the air. We wanted to talk about Phil Kessel, but uh, we're going to have to bring you back because I know you want to talk Phil Kessel, and we would love to talk Phil Kessel. Anyways, uh, uh, Butch, I want to thank you for coming in on the Victoria Day weekend. Thanks so much. And to all our listeners, enjoy the rest of the weekend. Drive safely. Be careful out on the roads. If you're on the water, be even more careful. To all our listeners, have a fantastic week. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.